Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Forrester CX Cast. This is Sam Stern. I'm joined in studio by my colleague, Faith Adams. Hello, Faith. Hello, everybody. And we are here to talk to you today about employee onboarding and the importance of that idea to customer experience. So, Faith, I think to start off, tell us why this is one of your first reports. You're new to Forrester, as we introduced you on a previous uh, episode of CXCast. Uh, why start here? Why uh, start on employee onboarding? Because your people, especially as they're onboarding into their new role, their new organization, the impression that you create is one that lasts a very long time. So just like the customer experience, it's very important to make a positive first impression. If you don't do that early on, you're kind of setting yourself up for a little bit of failure um, or for it to permeate their sentiment and their experience. Yeah. So it's that idea of um, you only get one shot at making a good first impression. Is it the case, and, and you know, talking a little bit about the research here, is it the case that a lot of companies are, are making a bad first impression with employees when they're onboarding them? I think that it's not necessarily that they're making a bad impression. They're just not focusing on what's really important, and that's more of that human connection, um, creating a relationship, um, focusing a little bit less on more of the administrative tasks, mm-hmm. and just really kind of setting yourself up as an organization that tries to be there for their people. Managers play a huge role, which was something that was very interesting more than I had thought, but every company that I had spoken to pretty much said it requires making an investment in your people. And the only way to demonstrate that investment is ultimately by having an engaged manager who's having regular touch bases and just really building that open door policy for a lack of a better term. That's interesting. I want to come back to that, but I want to go back to something you said there as well first, which was the fact that onboarding is maybe guilty of too much focus on the administrative tasks and and that strikes me without the data or knowledge of it that you probably have, but that just seems completely true, right? That they're, they're like, okay, here's your desk, here's your laptop, here's your start date, here are your benefits, but wait a minute, what is the larger purpose of my job? Who are the people I'm going to be spending you know, most of my waking life with now? Can I get to know them? You know, These things that are maybe the more human side of the onboarding. So maybe is there an example that stands out to you of a company that's sort of doing that, you know, humanizing onboarding perhaps as a one way of putting it uh, rather than having it just be about the administrative stuff? Um, I definitely think that a company that stands out in that regard is Medallia, which is perfect just because they practice what they preach, you know, being a a CFM vendor. Um, But they actually take it a step further and take their teams that are in training and onboarding and send them out to the streets, essentially, to establish a connection with the customer and better understand like good experiences versus bad experiences, and then come back and socialize and talk about it. And to me, that just really shows that they understand the importance of what they do, and they really truly believe in it. It's just not what they do. It, right. It's so much more. And the outcomes that I had heard about during the interview process or something that made me think, you know, if I knew of anybody who was looking for a job, I would definitely probably send them over that way just because it was unique, it was different, and it just demonstrates the, the passion that they have for truly creating a memorable experience. Wow, that's a good example. It's a great point about the fact that if Medallia doesn't live that out in their onboarding process, they can sort of be accused of being hypocrites or not practicing what they preach, right? So even more onus on getting it right. I mean, there should be anyway, but uh, because they're trying to exemplify what a great customer experience company should be because they're helping other companies to get there. Great. Let's go back to the other point you raised in your earlier answer about the importance of managers. Again, that makes sense to me, but 
Do I feel like I see that happening in a lot of companies? I'm not really aware of that. I, it certainly wasn't when I was starting at a new company. That was a long time ago now. But uh, the idea that, hey, my manager is going to be the person that feels like the face of onboarding to me at this company, that doesn't strike me as something that I see that often. So tell me a little bit about how you position the manager as really the face of the company to you as a new employee. I think it goes a little bit beyond onboarding. First of all, there's the whole element of having a support system. So as you onboard, your manager should set you up with perhaps a buddy or like a mentor of sorts, somebody that can help you answer the questions that maybe you're not comfortable asking your manager. And you hear the statistic all the time that people break up with their managers, not their company. And I believe I read a stat during this process of the research where it said that just 10% of the population has the inherent skills to be an effective manager. So it requires a lot of, I think, investments from the company as well to make sure that they're putting the right people in management positions and training them and coaching them on how to be effective managers. And some of the ways that it seems like that is possible is through establishing that human connection, having regular touch bases, discussing accountability, empowering your people, creating more of a like a transparent environment, just enabling them and setting them up for success, having just regular touch bases specific to where you're at in terms of meeting your goals and objectives, where, where do you want to go long term, just again, like normal human relationship type of stuff that I think it's so easy to miss, you know, when you're busy and you've got a lot of things going on. Hmm. That's interesting. So if 10% of people sort of have the inherent skills to be managers, should companies focus on finding those 10% and getting them into management? Or is it more about finding inevitably the people who have to be managers or are in management already at their company, giving them a lot more support to be better managers since it's not a natural skill for them? I think it's a balance of both, given you know the amount of companies out there and the number of t- different types of roles available in management positions. I think you have to make do with what you have. And, and the best way to do that is, is investing in coaching and really focusing on enhancing those skills. And if you can't get there, not being afraid to maybe take a step back and ask, is, is this what you want to do? And you know that's a hard discussion to have with people. But I've actually seen people in you know, director or manager roles who said, you know, I don't think this managing people thing is for me and want to go back to being an individual contributor. So I think maybe even open up those conversations could possibly build for a better employee experience. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I think there's a perception that you have to keep moving up in an organizational hierarchy, and that implies that you'll be in management and managing more people and have direct reports who have direct reports themselves. But A, that's not going to be the path for everyone. And, you know, if you're not well suited for that, probably good to either have the self-knowledge or have a good mentor manager guide you to that self-knowledge. And B, you know, what you sort of said there, implied there at least, was that there should be career paths for people who are never going to be managers and continue to move up as individual contributors. And there shouldn't be a stigma on that. If that's your path, that should be fine. So based on this research, based on, you know, what you learned and talking to some of these companies, what would you advise a company to do if they're looking to improve or evolve their onboarding practices of new employees? Just like customer experience, capture feedback, listen, and and make the changes. Um, The employee journey is very much like the customer journey. It has numerous steps and there's different interactions and really iterate and evolve. You can't have something that's so static that you can't change just because it is 
the way it is. You hear that all the time. Well, this is the way we've always done things, and it's not going to work long term. And if you want to attract, retain, and engage your talent, you know, the key to doing so is really creating that positive impression, listening to them, and improving the experience when you can. Great. And any statistics stand out to you in terms of the downside of not improving your uh, onboarding practices? I mean, it leads to disengagement. I mean, productivity, I think it's, um, you know, the average time productivity is about eight months. So if, if somebody comes in, they're not engaged, they're, they're not feeling empowered to do their, their new job that they were hired to do, um, think about the financial impacts of, of just having somebody not reach that productivity. And then what happens when they leave after only being somewhat productive for a few months? There, there's additional expense there. And it's, it's risky. I'm, it, and it does, it does a number on your employees that you already have when they see people come and go. Yeah. Nobody likes to see that happen. That's interesting. So if average time to productivity is eight months, and someone is demoralized by a bad onboarding experience that's maybe only going to last a year, then you're not getting that much time of productivity out of them. And then having to go right back to replacing them and, and ramp somebody else up. Is it the case, I don't know if, um, did companies track that? Was that sort of a metric they looked at in, in terms of the improvements they were making in onboarding, that time to productivity would improve or that retention, you know, longevity would improve? Um, from a longevity and retention standpoint, a lot of companies did mention tracking that. For example, Ritz-Carlton truly does make an investment in their people, and, and they see it because they have above industry standards in terms of retention. When it comes to some of the other metrics, people said it was more loose. It was more of like a soft type of measurement. They really weren't looking at it deeply, so they couldn't give me specific numbers, but they, they believed there was a correlation in many cases. Great. Well, Faith, thank you for joining us again on CXCast. Appreciate it. Listeners, the report is live, and we're going to link to it in the show notes of this episode. It's called Make or Break Your CX Through Employee Onboarding. And uh, lots of really good examples and data points and stories in here. Faith pulled a lot of research and talked to a lot of companies for this. So I think it'll be a worthwhile read. So thank you all for joining us this week. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening. Remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality.